Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. I'm sitting here staring at my Xbox screen because Halo Infinite campaign is supposed to come out at 1 o'clock. For God knows what reason, they made it 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. I don't know. 343 is a bunch of jerk-offs. Um, but I'm just, like, waiting for this thing to, to launch so I can download it while I record and then get right into it. Um, I'm not sure how many people that listen to my podcast are Halo fans or video game fans or, you know, whatever, but kind of a big deal because it is Halo. Um, not a huge fan of 343. Me and my friends have been really complaining about them for like close to a, you know, actually, no, I was going to say close to a, a few months now, but um, honestly, since like Halo 5, so like years at this point. Um, but it's been pretty annoying. Uh, so we'll see how the campaign is. Hopefully they didn't fuck that up too bad. But also, a thing that I haven't addressed that I realized I probably should is that I haven't been doing Marvel episodes uh, dedicated to Hawkeye. I did them for Loki. I did it for Falcon Winter Soldier. And then I did like a bigger uh, recap episode with uh, my friends Pete and Riley for WandaVision. Which I understand. I'll probably go that route for Hawkeye. Um, it's just that Hawkeye, the first two episodes dropped the day before Thanksgiving, and it's only six episodes. Episode four, I think, actually just came out today. So figured I'd just wait because um, I didn't record the week of Thanksgiving, uh, and it just. I, it slipped my mind. I didn't get around to watching the first episode till last night, uh, which I liked. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, the first episode, definitely better than anything I had expected. So um, for whatever reason, I thought that Kate was Hawkeye's daughter. I, I don't know what kind of headcanon that was. Um, I, I thought it was like some weird father-daughter team up, but it was just he ends up probably just being like a father figure because her daddy died. Spoilers. Uh, happens like literally in the first 10 minutes of the movie and of the show. So, you know, not really that big of spoilers, but uh, I'll probably end up just doing a whole Hawkeye review after all six episodes are done. Um, and I believe it's six. I Googled it. And it said that there was a TV spot that said it's a six-part holiday event. Um, so it should end around Christmas time, which makes sense because the first episode does start taking place around Christmas. So I guess they wanted it to line up with what was going on in real life, uh, which is smart on Marvel's part, I guess. But I'll do a whole like episode recap, a uh, whole series recap when that is done. Um, and after I've watched all the episodes, I definitely have to catch up. Uh, I've been watching a lot of One Piece for people who like anime out there. Um, never watched One Piece before. I'm on episode like 160 now. So I'm kind of like plowing through that, you know, 940 episodes left. Uh, so that's what's going on there on that front. Um, the, the show is rumored to have like Vincent D'Onofrio come back as I, I believe his name's Vincent D'Onofrio, right? As Kingpin, who uh, he played in the Marvel Daredevil series, 
which is still, in my opinion, the best Marvel TV show that they have. Uh, so there's rumors that he will appear in the Hawkeye TV show. There's even rumors that Charlie Cox's Daredevil will appear in Marvel's TV show. There's rumors that Matt Murdock, Daredevil, Charlie Cox, he's going to be in Spider-Man in, as a, an appearance. Um, there's a lot of rumors surrounding these two guys for, for right now. I, I think it's more likely we get some type of kingpin. Um, I, again, I don't think that's confirmed, right? I, it's just like a heavy rumor at this point, but there's only two episodes left. So we'll see if kingpin makes an appearance at some point. Um, but we have confirmation from Kevin Feige, the God, that if there are Marvel Daredevil, if, sorry, I should say, if Daredevil shows up in more Marvel properties in the MCU, if they decide to bring back the show for Disney Plus, whatever, uh, which I don't really know if they can do because it was TVMA, like, on Netflix, very bloody gore, uh, intense language. So I don't know if that's necessarily something they want on Disney Plus because they don't even have Logan on Disney Plus because that's a rated R. They don't have Deadpool, Deadpool 2. Those three movies are all rated R, but they are property of Disney and because Disney bought Fox, so that's theirs now. They have the other, I believe they have all the original X-Men movies on Disney Plus now. Um, so they don't have the movies that are rated R on Disney Plus because that's not really their demographic or something, I guess, that they want kids to have access to, even though you could probably just restrict that if you have kids. Um, regardless, uh, they don't have that on there. So I don't know if they would be picking up a Daredevil show on Disney Plus um, because it was so violent and so gritty. I don't think that's really their demographic. Uh, but Kingpin making an appearance, Daredevil making an appearance in, in any other Marvel properties would certainly make sense since they're just, uh, that's, they're that appearances, right? They're not full show centered around these characters. Uh, but Kevin Feige, I, I think I got off track. Did I even get to my main point? Kevin Feige said that Charlie Cox would be playing, he would want Charlie Cox to be playing Daredevil if they were to ever bring him back into the Marvel universe and and bring him back into other properties charlie cox would be the guy to be playing daredevil which is pretty cool uh but okay we got all that squared away hawkeye full series review coming probably after the new year that week in between christmas and new year's maybe uh, when, when's Christmas? Christmas is on a Saturday this year, isn't it? So, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll put out, I won't do a full episode because it should be done. So we have episodes, actually, it's going to be done before Christmas, right? So episode four, five, no, episode six should be dropping. If episode four just dropped today, which I believe it did, um, and honestly, I'm going to go check right now because I can. Um, then that would mean episode six would come out the 22nd. Uh, and if it does, then 
the 29th, maybe the 27th, uh, the 27th is kind of close to Christmas, um, is episode four out? Yes, it is. Okay, so episode four is out, which means episode five comes out the 15th and six comes out the 22nd. So the 29th, maybe the 28th, we'll probably do the 28th. Um, that week after Christmas, before New Year's Eve, before New Year's, I'll do, I'm not going to do a full episode because it is Christmas and people are whatever. So because of that, I won't do a full episode, but I will put out that Hawkeye episode, either the 28th or the 29th, that Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll do that. That'll be the day though. Either one of those two days we'll, we'll put out there for the. Uh, Hawkeye series review, and we got Halo Infinite is out. It's 102. I'm going to download that real quick. Um, I don't usually do stuff like this where it's like, oh, I'm talking while I'm doing stuff. Like, I usually, I would pause it, and then, you know, whatever, I'd come back into it as if nothing happened, but uh, we're going to go through it right now. Let's see. Here it is. Still says pre-order, which is nonsense because it shouldn't be pre-order. It should be it should be available. It should be open. Wouldn't be surprised if the game completely crashes and I'm not able to download it because 343 stinks. But included with Game Pass. Yeah, I got that. Okay. Is this game stupid or what is going on here? Stop telling me to pre-order, okay? I don't want to pre-order. I want, you know what? Let's let's close out the game. This is a whole thing. Okay, okay. I'm pausing and coming back after it's done. All right, that's all done with. Jeez, what a what a joke. Uh, okay. Let's get into week thirteen of the NFL season. Maybe we'll even talk a little basketball because I mentioned last episode. Haven't really talked too much basketball. Um, yeah, football has kind of just been dominant. It, it's been really, it's because I think it, the playoff race is so close right now and like pretty across the board in, in both conferences. Um, but we'll talk about my Giants. They lose to the Dolphins. Uh, pretty pathetic, honestly. Uh, Daniel Jones is out. He doesn't play this week because of a neck injury. And we get Mike Glennon, which is ironic because Daniel Jones goes down with a neck injury. And then we get a guy who has like the longest neck I think I've ever seen in my entire life with Mike Glennon having to be the quarterback of the Giants. It was uh, it was just just like disgraceful, like despicable, disgusting football to watch. Uh, I think Graham Gano kicked three field goals. That was it. The Giants lose 20 to nine. It was horrible. Just really not fun to watch at all. Um, Tua is like, he played well, but like 30 for 41, 244 yards and two touchdowns. Like, he he gets the ball and he rolls out to his left. Like, that is where most of the damage happened to uh, for the Giants. And, you know, I, I give the Giants defense a lot of credit. Um, they, they played well 
but when the offense can just do pretty much nothing, which is like, I'll give Miami's defense a little credit. Like, yeah, you're going against Mike Lennon, but like Miami's defense is good and they have been playing very, very, very good football over the past five games, which is what now this winning streak for the Dolphins has stretched to. Uh, they're actually one game below 500, so they're six and seven. They have a bye week, and then they come back off the bye against the Jets. So they have a chance to be seven and seven by Christmas, which is incredible considering they were, you know, one and six, one and seven, whatever it was, five weeks ago, two and seven five weeks ago. So you know, credit to the the Dolphins. Um, They have really turned their season around. And with that extra wild card spot now, they are right in the muck of it. Like they are they're in there in terms of being able to compete for a playoff spot. Now the AFC, if they were in the NFC, like right now, they I think they would be a game out. The AFC is a a bit more tight at the bottom. Um, because you have the Bengals are still seven and five. The Chargers, Bengals, and Bills are all seven and five. You have the Steelers ahead of you at six and five. Indianapolis ahead of you at seven and six. The Vegas Raiders, uh, Cleveland, and Denver are all six and six. So you're six and seven. Depending on how those teams do on your bye week, you could be tied for one of those spots moving up. But right now, you are still on the outside looking in. Um, so you I mean it's fine, you know, you're you're good right now. Like you have totally turned your season around. Brian Flores specifically went from being on the hot seat to chilling, you know? As for the Giants, uh like I am pretty fed up with this team at this point. Uh did I ever expect them to make the playoffs as much as I talked about how they do have an outside shot? Uh no. I never actually expect them to make the playoffs, but I like to see my teams compete, right? And when it's just, the, I'm not going to put too much stock into this game again because Mike Glennon was the quarterback, not Daniel Jones. However, it is pretty gross. I mean, Joe Judge did that thing again where he just uses a timeout for absolutely no reason. Um, at the end of the first quarter, I think it was, he, the guy just does not know how to manage his timeouts. Or the game clock. He just has no fucking idea how to do it. And you'd be shocked about how many, how important that ends up being as head coach, right? Uh, It's essential to be able to manage the clock and your timeouts properly. And Joe Judge has just proven over the past year or so that he just cannot do that properly. A huge red flag, in my opinion. Saquon Barkley. Uh, I'm pretty much done with him. So with the Giants going into next year, they're going to have a new GM, new offensive coordinator, I would assume. Who knows if Patrick Graham stays as the defensive coordinator. If he does, that's fine. Joe Judge, that'll prob- if, if there's not significant improvement next year, Joe Judge is probably out. Uh, but this is a team that is not playing up to their potential even in the slightest Kenny Galladay came hurt he got hurt came back I believe uh, after in the game but he has been a huge disappointment and that's really not necessarily his fault like yeah he missed a, a, a handful of games because he got injured again which was the concern when you signed him was is he gonna be able to stay healthy he wasn't 
Um, but even when he was playing, it he wasn't really targeted a whole lot. Um, Kadarius Tony had a great game, then got kicked out of his great game, and then has not been able to stay healthy since then. Uh, Evan Ingram stinks. Sterling Shepard had a good start to his year, has not been able to stay healthy again. Saquon Barkley hasn't been able to stay healthy, and even when he has been healthy, this brings me to my point. The guy just has absolutely no trust or confidence in his lower body. Uh, you know, he was a guy who would cut on a dime and then truck you over. He, he had the potential and the ability to do both at a high level. And now he just, he is, it, it is, it is not short to say that he is afraid to run the football and run aggressively. Uh, the guy just, he just doesn't do it. He, he will not go out of his way or not even go out of his way. He will not put his shoulder down and, and run into someone. He will juke, try to juke and run around you and then get tackled for a loss. That's just what happens. He doesn't hit a hole. He doesn't hit holes. Um, he, you know, sits, dances around in the backfield and then tries to make something happen and gets tackled for a loss. There is just, I can't even trust Saquon Barkley now at this current juncture to get a yard. Like on third and one, if you put Barkley back there, I have no confidence that he could pick up that yard. Devontae Booker. I like his chances a lot more, to be honest. Devontae Booker runs hard. He runs strong. Uh, he has been a great signing, honestly. Uh, he, he's turned out to be a godsend. Now, Barkley is, you can offer him the fifth year. You pick up his fifth year. That, it's a whole, that's a thing that you could do. But, uh, you know, with the cap space that Dave Gettleman has put us in is, Nothing short of a nightmare. Uh, the Giants are probably in the worst cap situation in the entire NFL. Uh, I actually heard on one of WFAN's New York shows, uh, Moose and Maggie, that have the afternoon slot, the early afternoon slot. I think they were mentioning that the Giants don't even have a full 53-man roster. They have a 50-man roster because they physically and fiscally cannot pay three other guys to round out the 53-man roster. They can't do it. They are incapable of finding that money to pay three extra guys. So when you talk about financial cap hell, like the Giants are in the seventh gate of it, like the seventh circle of hell in terms of financial cap. It, it's so bad. And the Giants are going to have to cut or trade a lot of players that you probably wouldn't want to have to cut or trade. Barkley's probably gone. You could ideally you could trade him and the reason why the Giants are in hell also is because there's a lot of dead money. Um now Barkley if you trade him you save some cap and you have zero dead money. So that's a huge plus. Other guys like there's I know there's a bunch of guys on Giants Twitter they're like trying to crunch the numbers in terms of how you can create some kind of cap relief and who you can trade. Barkley was a name that popped up. Blake Martinez was a name that popped up, which uh, you know I'm sure a lot of people forget about. But Blake Martinez 
was a captain on that defense, a stronghold on that defense, a very good linebacker. He tore his ACL early in the year. I think it was like week three. So that sucked. Uh, that, that certainly set the Giants' defense back a bit. But anyway, there's guys like him, other, some other contracts that you could probably move around or trade that you're going to have to do, right? You kind of bought in to now. You, you went and signed up Galladay for a big contract. And you, you went and bought in. And now it's clear that it might not work currently with what you have. Mostly because everyone that you fucking have can't stay healthy. Just cannot stay on the football field. It's brutal. It is, it is really, really, really brutal where the Giants are at right now. Um, they're 4-8, and eight, which is honestly... Like I thought that would it would be worse at this point. It's not, um, but you have a tough stretch coming up. I think we play the Eagles again, who we beat, which is great. Love beating the Eagles. We have the Eagles again. We have the Cowboys again. We have Washington again at the end of the year. I think did we play Washington twice already? I honestly can't remember. Yeah, we do play them. Last game of the year. I knew it was. So you have the Chargers. Cowboys, Eagles, Bears, Washington to go up the end of the year. Who knows where you end, um, what draft pick you end up having. You have the Bears' first-round pick also, which is nice. They lost again to the Cardinals, so that was good. Uh, but that's the current situation of the Giants. It, it's gotten to that point. It's, it's really bad. They have been since their last Super Bowl, which is nice to say. I understand I come from a place of being spoiled, right? I have been blessed to see my football team win two championships, right? Guys go their whole lives without seeing a championship. I saw two. Fantastic. Really, really, really fantastic. Since the last championship, 2012, February of 2012, 2011-2012 season, uh, the Giants have, I think they're still tied with the worst record in the league. Like, in the entire NFL. Here it is. This is from Giants Daily. At New York Giants Daily. They're funny. I like them. Uh, Since Super Bowl forty six, the Giants are 61-96, and which is the fourth worst in the NFL. Since 2017, the Giants are 22-54. and Second worst. 2017, in case you didn't know, was the last time the Giants made the playoffs. Um, or 2016, I guess, would be since made, they made the playoffs, and then 2017 was after that. Uh, they're so past their after their last super uh, their last playoff appearance, they're 22 and 54. Since hiring Gettleman, 19 and 41, fourth worst record. Since hiring Joe Judge, 10 and 18, fifth worst record. Now, quite honestly, under Joe Judge, 10 and 18, really not that bad of a record if you were a rebuilding team. The Giants technically have not really declared the rebuild because they're going out, they're spending money on free agents, they're trying to make the offense work, they're trying to make the defense work, and it just hasn't. So you can't really sit there and say, well, they're rebuilding, 10 and 18 is not that bad. The Giants have never once really said, hey, we're going to rebuild. Eli retired, they thought they had their, they had their guy in Daniel Jones, they went, they drafted. 
uh, Kadarius Tony. They signed Kenny Galladay. They had Barkley already. Like, this was a team that was supposed to be ready to win now, try and compete now, and it just hasn't happened. So, yeah. That's where, that's where we're at. Uh, as for the other New York team, because I'm sick of talking about the Giants, uh, the Jets stink. Zach Wilson shows some improvement, and then he makes really bad interceptions. He had a really bad interception against the Eagles. Um, but he did look good at times. So you're in that phase of your season with the Jets, right? Where you just want Zach Wilson to show improvement, win or lose, doesn't matter. Just show improvement. Um, the bright spot, the bright spot you have as a Jets fan uh, is Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, who got injured, unfortunately. But before that, he had a nice, really nice stretch of games where he was really carving out the the number one running back spot for the Jets for himself. Um, so Michael Carter, you can hang your hat on, hat on him. And Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore has emerged since the bye week, really, since the Jets bye week. He has emerged as the best offensive player that the Jets have. And I do have to go back and, and reference my interview with Rich Samini back in August. Uh, we talked about the Jets a little, uh, not a little, a lot, because he's the Jets writer for ESPN, but he mentioned Elijah Moore is someone to watch out for, and there were times, even in, in training camp, that Elijah Moore looked like he was the best player on the field. And now at this point in the season, week 13 going into week 14, I think it's pretty clear cut and dry that the best offensive weapon the Jets have is Elijah Moore. Um, off the field, Elijah Moore has talked about has been talked about very highly, specifically from Titans receiver AJ Brown, um, and his mental health, and Elijah Moore helping him through that, and all and all those kind of things that he was going through. So he seems like a very high character person off the field, and he's immensely talented on the field. So if you're a Jets fan, that is definitely something that you can brag about, that you can be happy about, that you can look forward to, is that Elijah Moore is a very good wide receiver. And that is a draft pick that you can be proud of um, and know that he is going to be a staple in your offense for years to come. Him and ideally, Zach Wilson is the guy that gets him the football. Uh, but right now, you just kind of need to sit back and look for improvements in Zach Wilson. Um, ideally, decision-making, you know, making his reads quicker, getting, out, getting the ball out of his hand quicker, because we know he has the physical tools, right? He has the arm talent. Uh, his decision-making is something, he leaves something to be desired there. You know, like I said, he needs to get through his reads quicker. He needs to get rid of the ball faster. And because when he holds onto the ball, he scrambles, he makes bad decisions, he, he makes bad throws. Like he has to just make the quick reads and get the ball out. Um, and then ideally next year, he's more comfortable hanging in the pocket because right now he's not comfortable hanging in the pocket, which I don't blame him because his knee's definitely not 100%. Um, so, you know, once that knee is, I think all good and he's not really worrying about it, uh, he'll, he'll be able to sit in that pocket longer, maybe even take a hit or two as he delivers a football. But right now, you know, you're just looking for improvement from him. The Monday night game, 
was gross. <laughs> Mac Jones throwing for a total of three times. Now, there was 50 mile an hour winds and it was snowing and it was super cold. So, I mean, I can't really blame Belichick for not wanting Mac Jones to have to throw the ball 20, 25 times. Uh, they didn't. So, two for three, 19 yards, Mac Jones. <laughs> Uh, Damian Harris, he left the game with a tweaked hammy, but he did have 10 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown, including a 60-plus yard, I believe it was, touchdown run. Uh, the longest run that the Patriots have had since, I think they said Curtis Martin was on the team. Uh, so it's been a while since they've had that long of a run, but it was a pitch play, um, you know, gets the ball and then immediately goes vertical, right up the hole, no one touches him. And he's gone. So it was like a third and five also. So Damian Harris, he had a really nice game before having to leave. Um, the Patriots are on a bye, so he should be fine by uh, week 15, it would be, when they come back. Um, Josh Allen, 15 to 30, 145 yards and a touchdown. He struggled. Um, Patriots defense, credit to them. They played really well. But Patriots win 14 to 10. They widen their lead in the AFC East. They are the number one seed in the entire AFC, and Buffalo is 7-5. New England's 9-4, so New England 9-4, and, and then behind them, they have the Titans, the Ravens, and the Chiefs all at 8-4, um, depending on how those teams do next week uh, when the Patriots are on their bye. We could have a tie for, for uh, the top AFC spot. Shocking. I mean, Bill Belichick was elated that he won that game when that final pass was uh, deflected and New England got the ball back with like 40 seconds left, whatever it was. So I've never seen him so happy to win a regular season game. And, you know, you should be happy when you're able to win a regular season game uh, with your quarterback throwing the ball three times. Now, there was something interesting that happened in this post game with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Uh, a reporter asked if they should be, if they feel embarrassed um, about their performance tonight. And they got like pretty upset. And uh, Micah Hyde was like, we'll remember that. We'll remember that. Uh, you, you know, you got ran over for like 240 yards and you lost. For, I'm sure they weren't. I'm sure they were a little disrespected because they only gave up 14 points. Like, they're not playing offense. It's not their fault their team can't score the football. But what are they going to say? Our offense should score more? No. Like, they gave up 14 points, but they got run all over. Like, they could not stop Ramon J. Stevenson or Damian Harris. They couldn't do it. Could, simply could not do it. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of understand the question. Embarrassed might be the wrong word to use because you know that might tick them off a little bit. but. Uh, yeah, they were not happy with that question. It was a uh, pretty tense post-game presser with them specifically. Uh, running through the rest of the league, Bucks win 30-17. Tom Brady threw for a whopping 51 times this game. Uh, he threw, I think, 20 times in the first quarter, which is wild. Uh, Cardinals beat the Bears. The, Bears uh, the Cardinals were off their bye, so now they're 10-2. Chargers and Bengals had a very weird game where the Chargers went up like 22 nothing, and then the Bengals came back and it was like 22 to 21 
And then the Chargers ended up winning 41-22. to Like, Joe Mixon fumbled. They scooped and scored. The Chargers defense scooped and scored for a touchdown. And then they scored again. And that, that next thing you know, it's 41-22. Game's over. Uh, but this was a wild one. Joe Burrow did get injured. Um, he did hurt his pinky. And it was pretty, pretty swollen by the end of the game. And they did cut to him trying to throw the ball on the sideline and he was like screaming because he was just so angry about how uncomfortable it was to throw the football but he did end up coming in he I don't think he missed any snaps uh he did end up coming in and finishing the game uh T Higgins had a great get great day he's had two really really impressive back-to-back performances Jamar Chase has kind of been put on the back burner I think mostly because defense defenses are uh really honing in on him because he was burning so many people in the beginning, you know, first entire first half of the year. Now T Higgins is really starting to come alive. He had nine catches, 138 yards and a touchdown, including his touchdown was, I think it was like a 30, 40 yard touchdown where, uh, Burrow threw it up to him and he jumped above the ball was above both defensive backs and he just jumped up and grabbed it and uh, he's got very good hands he's very tall and very long and if you throw it up to him he's probably one of the best 50-50 ball receivers in the entire NFL uh he's just simply bigger than everybody <laughs> he's 6'4" 215 he's just simply bigger than every other defensive back he's very good T Higgins like i said he's had a very good couple of games uh, the Lions, the storyline, how can I forget about the Lions? The storyline of this week, the Lions get off the schneid. They are now 1-10-1. They get their first win as the clock hits triple zeros. Jared Goff rifles the ball in to Amon Ra St. Brown for the touchdown, defeating the Vikings 29-27. to And if you remember the beginning of the year, the Lions should have beaten the Vikings. They stripped the ball, they scored a touchdown, and then Kirk Cousins, with like a one timeout and 45 seconds, ends up getting the Vikings back into field goal range, and uh, they kick a field goal to win, whereas like the Vikings, they had two previous games before that where bad kicking cost them wins. So then they beat the Lions on a kick, obviously, because that's the way the world works, and the Lions ended up losing that game uh, anyway. But this, the Lions kind of owned. You can really say they, they owned the Vikings all year. Uh, I mean, that first loss is, it stings, but like they had it in the bag. And they blew it. Much like they blew it against the Ravens and a couple other teams. Like, I, I maintain that there's no way. I, I was saying it up until now. They are currently not winless anymore. But there's no way the Lions should have been winless this entire time. There's just no way. Like, they, they played good enough football to win games, and they just weren't doing it. So, uh, it must have been incredibly frustrating for them and Dan Campbell, but I'm glad that they now, ha- they are off the schneid. Um, they have their first win under their belt. It, it's, it's very, I'm happy for the Lions. They, they didn't deserve, they, this team and, and this, what they have assembled right now did not deserve to be winless. Uh, Eagles Jets, we went over that. Eagles win 33 to 18. Gardner Minshew got the start, actually. That's something we didn't, we only talked about the Jets. But in that game, Gardner Minshew got the start. Jalen Hurts had tweaked his ankle against the Giants. 
Uh, he had said earlier in the week, or I guess uh, later, last week, whatever it was, Thursday, I think, that he was ready to go and ready to play on Sunday. Um, and then it turns out that Gardner Minshew got most of the first rep snaps in practice on Friday. And then by the time Sunday came around, they ruled Jalen Hurts out with his ankle injury. Gardner Minshew comes in, slings it, 20-25, uh, 242 yards and two touchdowns. Eagles win 33-18, going into their bye week. I still think it's Jalen Hurts' team, but we are going to have Minshew mania for at least another week. Going into the next game, I believe the Eagles play Washington. So going into that week and that game, I'm sure there's going to be people clamoring for Gardner Minshew to start. Which I don't think should happen. Uh, the Colts win 31 nothing over the Texans. Jonathan Taylor single-handedly outgained the entire Texans offense. Um, I believe the Texans total offense. Let's just see here. Team stats. Texans. Uh, yeah, he did. So the Texans had a total of 141 yards of offense. Jonathan Taylor, 32 rushes, 143 yards, and two touchdowns. So single-handedly outgaining the entire Texans offense. The starters were benched like, I think, halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, Texans fall to 2-10. They stink. Indianapolis keeps their playoff hopes alive at 7-6. Washington wins 17-15. Two games in a row that Washington has won their games 17-15, to 15, which is a bit weird, um, just because it's like an odd score, 15 points, right, for your opponent to have. 17 is pretty common, but 15 for your opponent to have is kind of unusual. Um, Taylor Heineke played well. He had a bad interception, but actually, was that interception his fault? He almost had a really bad interception, but uh, he played pretty well, and he's been playing well for Washington. Antonio Gibson's finally being utilized in this offense. J.D. McKissick was out, so maybe that has something to do with it. But Antonio Gibson is very good, and I think he should get the ball more for Washington. Uh, he had 23 carries, 88 yards, and he's also a re uh, receiving threat. So, I mean, he just needs to get the ball in his hands more. He had five catches for 23 yards and a touchdown. Um, bad news for Washington coming out of this game. Logan Thomas, I think his knee blew up. Uh, they fear that he tore everything, ACL, MCL. Uh, so he's probably out for the rest of the year after they just got him back off the IR. Raiders drop to 6-6. Six and six. Classic Raiders start off really good. Flounder at the end of the season. Missed the playoffs. So they're 6-6. Six and six. Washington is 6-6. Six and six. Um, Still both teams have an outside shot of making the playoffs. Actually, I think Washington is currently in a playoff spot. We'll get to that in a minute. Rams blow up the Jags 37-7. Steelers, Ravens. And 49ers Seahawks, the two 425 slots. Really, really good games. Um, so with the Seahawks and 49ers, Niners had it inside the 10. Last dish effort to tie it as time expires. Ball gets tipped at the line. They end up losing. Uh, the highlight of this game, Travis Homer taking a fake punt, like 70 yards for a touchdown. That was pretty wild. Uh, but the Russell Wilson, definitely his best game since coming back off the uh, IR. Or was it, I don't even know if he was on the IR. I think he was. So since missing his like three or four games, his best game, 30 to 37, 231 yards, two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but it was all Gerald, uh, Gerald Everett's fault. Hits him in the chest. He's falling down and kicks it up in the air. And the Niners pick it off. 
Uh, so that game was crazy. And then the Steelers and Ravens was the crazier one. Ravens marching down the field. They score a touchdown. And instead of kicking the field goal to tie and likely going into overtime, John Harbaugh says, screw it. Lamar says, screw it. We're going for two and the win. And they don't get it. They had the play. They had it. I think it was Mark Andrews slipped out. Um into the flat, and Lamar, with T.J. Watt in his face, had to kind of throw it sidearm to get it around Watt, and the ball was just out of the reach of Mark Andrews, but he was wide open. They had him, but T.J. Watt, who is arguably the defensive player of the year, arguably should have won it last year, and is going to be probably a top two finish this year as well. He's in Lamar's face, forces him to make a tough throw, just out of the reach of Mark Andrews, falls short, two-point conversion fail, and the Steelers hang on to win. Obviously, a huge win for Pittsburgh. Big Ben, I'm sure, uh, reports. I'm sure he was happy to get it with reports coming out earlier before the game, before tip-off, or before kickoff, I should say, that this was apparently going to be Big Ben's last hurrah. Private conversations that somehow got leaked to fucking Adam Scheffner. Whatever say that he was going to hang it up after this year. Um, if that's the truth, this is a huge win for them. I'm sure it feels good. Uh, but the Ravens are now 8-4, and four, Steelers 6-5-1. and one. The Sunday night game, not really good. Chiefs defense, credit to them, they've been playing out of their mind after being horrendous the first part of the year. They're now 8-4. and four. Broncos fall to 6-6. Six and six. Uh, But the Broncos do have something with Javante Williams. Guy's a stud. Finally got his chance to be RB1 and not split carries with Melvin Gordon, who was out with an injury. Uh, He had 23 carries, 102 yards, and he also had some uh, receptions. He had a reception touchdown, six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. So he was a beast against the Chiefs, but Broncos defense, I mean, Broncos offense still couldn't really do a whole lot of nothing. They had a couple of really long drives that result- resulted in no points, which is obviously demoralizing. Uh, but the Chiefs, now 8-4, and four, fighting for that number one seed. And then Monday night, we went over already. Uh, so a good week 13, in my opinion. Obviously, as a Giants fan, it wasn't a good week. But in terms of quality football, I think we really got that this week. Um, again, the 4 o'clock games were all pretty pretty fire. They were very, very entertaining, especially those two 425 games. I was actually working Sunday and I'm like waiting and everyone thinks, oh God, we're going to have to stay here even later. These games are going to go into overtime. And then suddenly you go from not having, you have, you go from having two games probably going into overtime to neither game going into overtime. It was like a, a Christmas miracle. It was unbelievable. So we all got out of there on time. It was nice. Anyway. That was week 13. Let's go over the playoff picture. Uh, just because we are, you know, we're in the, the closing weeks of the NFL season. We have four weeks left. Week 14, 15, 16, and 17. Um, and week 18, I forgot, is January 5th to the 11th, which is gross. Um, I'm honestly... It pisses me off now that the Pro Bowl is on my birthday. Like, come on, man. Why are you doing this to me? 
I was born February 6th, for those of you who don't know. So the Super Bowl, every once in a while, when my birthday was on a Sunday, the Super Bowl would also be on my birthday. And that's what it was supposed to be this year, but they added the extra week. So now, instead of the Super Bowl being on my birthday, the Pro Bowl is on my birthday, and the Super Bowl is the week of Valentine's Day, whatever, the 15th. So annoying, the 9th to the 15th. It's on the 13th this year. Pisses me off. Week 18, we're going to have regular season football going into the second week of January. That's insane. Uh, so we have week 14. Yeah, so we have five more weeks. That's crazy. That's still going to take him some getting used to, honestly. Um, standings, playoff pictures. New England, Tennessee, Baltimore, top three seeds. Kansas City. Chargers, Cincinnati are three through six, and the final new playoff spot for the uh, NFL is right now Buffalo at seven and five, and they play Tampa Bay next week. So if they lose and the Steelers win, or even if Indianapolis wins, they both of those teams jump Buffalo for that last playoff spot. And outside of them, I mean, Vegas, Cleveland, and Denver, and Miami technically still have shots. Uh, those first three teams, Vegas, Cleveland, Denver, they're all 6-6, six and six, Miami 6-7. Six and seven. Uh, For the NFC, Cardinals, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, all the top spot. They're fighting for that top spot. Cardinals are 10-2, and two, Green Bay and Tampa are 9-3. and three. Dallas, Los Angeles, and Washington are the 4, 5, and 6 seed. Um, after the five seed, after the Rams, it gets, it gets, it gets mucked. It gets mucked up. Uh, cause the Rams are the five seed at eight and four. And then after that, you got Washington six and six, San Francisco is six and six. And then that's the final playoff spot right now it belongs to San Francisco. But right behind those two teams are Philly is six and seven, Minnesota's five and seven, Carolina's five and seven. Atlanta's five and seven, New Orleans is five and seven, Giants four and eight, whatever. Now, I think the teams that are really actually competing for that last playoff spot outside of Washington and San Francisco that currently occupy them are Philly and Minnesota. Uh, Carolina doesn't have a shot. Atlanta doesn't really have a shot. And New Orleans and the Giants, Bears, Seahawks. I really don't think, I think all of those playoff hopes can be kind of dashed. Uh, none of those guys I don't really think have viable shots to make the playoffs but Minnesota and Philadelphia I mean Minnesota losing to Detroit really kind of bones them uh Dalvin Cook is now probably going to miss another kind of one or two weeks um even though Alexander Madison is very good so really Philly is I mean Philly has a shot they could they could jump San Francisco or Washington I think they play do they play Washington twice two more times i think by the end of the season they might which would be obviously huge playoff wise um and they do they play washington two of the next three weeks so they're on a bye and then they play washington on the 19th they play the giants and then washington and then the cowboys um as for washington they play dallas this week so if they lose, they'll have the same record as the Eagles, and then they play each other two of the next three weeks after that. So that could definitely shake up the division and also that last wild card spot. 
uh, with those two games. Some other news around New York sports. The Knicks floundered a bit after their hot start. They're 12-12, and 12, nothing to panic about. Um, kind of on the same pace as last year as of right now in terms of where they were last year at this time and now. So nothing really to panic about. Uh, Kemba Walker no longer in the starting lineup. Alec Burks has been lighting it up. So Thibodeau is trying to, to make it work. R.J. Barrett went crazy last night. Uh, 32 points, I think it was. Uh, 7 of 8 from 3, 11 of 20 from the field. He was spectacular last night. He's become an excellent two-way player. Uh, as for the Rangers, Islanders stink. <laughs> the Islanders stink. The Islanders fans that I know have been very, very quiet. And uh, all this time, the Rangers have been Rangers and Rangers fans have been biding their time, waiting patiently for this. They have 17 wins, which, according to the Rangers Twitter account, the official Rangers Twitter account, is the most wins through 24 games in franchise history. So, the Rangers are back. Um, they are very, very good, and they're a lot of fun to watch, honestly. They have two tremendous goalkeepers with Igor Shesterkin, who is 13-3 and three on the year, and then, oh, he gets injured. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, Alexander Gorgiev comes in, and he's been 4-1 on the year as a goaltender. So, they have two outstanding goaltenders to step in at any time and deliver wins for their team. Uh, they are 17-4-3, and three, and they actually play uh, tonight at 7 against the Avalanche, who are 13-7-2. and 13-7-2. And uh, Knicks are 12-12. 12 12. They play the Pacers tonight. Exciting stuff. Uh, let's see what the NBA standings are, technically. I mean, not that it really matters at this point in the year what the standings are, because things can change. But... As it stands, the Knicks are 12 and 12, only five games out of first place where Brooklyn is. They're 17 and 7. Chicago has been unbelievable this year. DeMar DeRozan specifically, uh, 17 and 8 for Chicago. That foursome they got going on with Levine, DeRozan, uh, Lonzo Ball, and honestly, even Alex Caruso has been a great signing for them. So they're 17 and 8. They're playing really well. Bucks are 16 and 9. Miami, Washington, Philly, Charlotte, Cleveland, Atlanta, Boston. And then you have the Knicks sitting out there at, at the, uh, the 11th spot. It looks like the way these standings are divvied up, I assume they're still doing the play-in tournament, which makes me want to kill myself, but whatever. Uh, Knicks are 12-12. and 12. Don't think there's any cause to panic right now because if you look at it, they're two games back from being the third seed or the, the fourth seed. They're two games out from being the fourth seed. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? That's why it, it, you, there's no re, really no reason to panic. Um, the two best teams in basketball are in the West, though. The Warriors and the Suns, easily hands down the two best teams right now in the NBA. Both teams are 20-4. and four. The Warriors are still waiting to get Klay Thompson back, which they should have by the end of the year, even maybe the all-star break. Um, so they're just going to add more fuel to that fire. Uh, both teams 24, the Jazz, Memphis has been playing really well. They're 14 and 10. Clippers, Lakers, both been underwhelming. And then Dallas, Denver, Minnesota, Portland. Portland's probably going to trade Damian Lillard. They should trade Damian Lillard. Uh, apparently, he's asking for a two-year, like $104 million contract extension. 
I, I don't know where this dude gets off asking for that kind of money, but whatever. I mean, I would trade him. I understand he's great, but like, you're if you're Portland, you're just in no position to give a guy that kind of money. Like, just get rid of him. Build for the future. I know that might be hard for Portland fans to hear or for the front office to accept, but he's got to go. Go and trade him to someone who's going to give you... I mean, you're going to get a huge package for him. Like, the demand, as soon as you open those floodgates, you're going to be swamped with phone calls and, and trade offers. Like, you're, it's not going to be difficult to move him. So just get the best package you can and, and plan for the future. And I mentioned the Rangers being 17-4-3. They are one point back of the top spot in the Eastern Conference. It's Florida with 38 points, Washington 38, and Toronto with 38. Rangers have 37, and right behind them is Tampa Bay and Carolina with 36 and 35. And then there's a bit of a gap with Pittsburgh and Detroit with 29 points. Uh, the Islanders are all the way down. They're third to last in the, in the Eastern Conference with just 17 points this year. Um, so disappointing after making, they made the conference finals last year. They lost to Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay won the cup, right? So, uh, definitely a disappointing start for the Islanders this year. Uh, as for the Rangers, they've been biding their time. Uh, they've been building their young core and now they got a ton of really good young players on that team. I mean, just looking at the roster, right? Heedle's been really good. He's young at 22. Strom, Zibanejad, Kreider has been unbelievable this year. Uh, Lafreniere, Panarin, the bread man. Uh, Capo Caco, who was their top draft pick, to, what, two years ago? He's still kind of trying to get into it. Um, Adam Fox, just named captain. He's obviously incredible. And I hope I'm getting most of those names right. Like, I'm not a huge hockey fan. I have been trying to really follow the Rangers pretty intently over the past couple years and, and really get my foot into there. So I hope I got those names right. And again, I'm trying really hard to incorporate some type of hockey into this, uh, this program. So we'll wrap it up there. Um, Rangers really good. Islanders really bad. Knicks are okay, they need to flip the switch a little bit, um, and the Giants and Jets stink. The Mets have made incredible moves, and the Yankees still haven't done anything, um, even though I shouldn't say still haven't done. They didn't do anything before the lockout, and now they can't do anything because of the lockout. And there hasn't been any kind of progress on that front, which is expected. So, that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you as always. Uh, I'll have to watch Hawkeye pretty soon. Maybe I'll catch up. Uh, I need to watch episode two, three, and four. But thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you all next Wednesday. Talk your game, we might be one in the same. Now I know you gotta.